0: Well, we wanna welcome you again to the Hills Church at Home. You know, this Sunday is Mother's Day, but at the end of our time together, one of the things that we've done at our church for several years is we celebrate all women on Mother's Day. And so we'll close out with a poem and a prayer. Hey, I wanna encourage you to do something with me as well. Go to our website, hillschurcharcadia.org. You can download the message notes for today along with our kids' activity sheet. So encourage you with the topic that we've been talking about the last couple of weeks that you download these notes. It's important for every believer, everybody that might just be following along, everybody that might just be seeking, you may just be listening, tuning in. You don't know if you believe any of this that you go back and allow the Holy Spirit to teach you through these verses of Scripture. It's so important because they are life to those that find it and health to all of their flesh. Well, my title today is The Judgment Seat of Christ. The Judgment Seat of Christ. We'll be going through a few of these Scriptures today. In fact, I want to break this up into the next couple of weeks because... As we look at the judgment seat of Christ, it really causes questions to come that we dig back into the Bible for answers. You know, when we read about the judgment seat of Christ, we remember there's a couple events that will be taking place in the end times. In fact, we talked about one here just the last couple of weeks. The very next thing that we anticipate happening at any moment, any time is Jesus coming back for his church, the believers. In fact, the Apostle Paul talked about it, that there's a shout from heaven, the voice of the archangel, the trumpet of God, the dead in Christ, rise first, along with those that are Christians, believers in Jesus that rise to meet him in the air. And then, according to the Bible, it looks like we go right into a time of the judgment seat of Christ. You know, the Bible does talk about two judgments, two future judgments, the judgment seat of Christ and the great white throne judgment. Now, the judgment seat of Christ are for the believers that will receive their rewards for what they have done on earth in the time that they lived for Jesus. The great white throne judgment, which we'll pick up much later, is you can read about it in Revelation chapter 20 where all are judged, but they're judged according to the books, the book of life and the book of works. That's where we read about that the sheep, those that have followed God, are separated from the goats. In fact, you can read about that. But I wanna read this. In fact, Jesus said this to one of the churches in Revelation. Now listen to these words. Jesus says, behold, I am coming quickly, hold fast to what you have that no one may take your crown. You know, we read the crown is one of the rewards given by Jesus in the Bible. In fact, we read about that, the judgment, a crown that is given much like uh, the references that the apostle Paul will use to the like the Olympic games. And those that won receive a prize, in fact, they they would receive a crown. Most of the time it was those uh, leaves that were placed in their head. So there will be a crown. We read in the book of Revelations that when Jesus comes out, when the Lamb of God comes out, the 24 elders that have their crowns cast their crowns down humbly before the Lamb. Revelation chapter 22, verse 12 says, Jesus says again, behold, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me to give everyone according to his work." So the apostle Paul really teaches us and picks up and has insight and revelation on the judgment seat of Christ. Let me read a couple other verses as we go forward here. And here's what he says in Romans chapter 14, verse 10 through 12. But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God so that each of us shall give account of himself to God, interesting. Here we're reading about the judgment seat of Christ, and each person individually will give account of themselves to God. You know, when I stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, I can't bring members of my family to plead on my behalf, or or to talk about the works that I've done. It's all being recorded. In fact, we'll look at um, how that plays out and how that works in just a minute. First Corinthians chapter three, verse 11 through 15, the Apostle Paul picks this back up. For no other foundation can anyone lay that that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. The foundation of everything of the believer, the Christian, is Jesus Christ. He is our foundation. Upon that foundation is where we begin to build. Now he goes on, he says, now, If anyone builds on that foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work, which has been built on, endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Let me back up that one verse. If anyone's work, which he has built on endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved yet so as through fire. Notice that if the work endures and endures through fire, you receive the reward. If the work is burned and lost, you'll be saved through the fire. But notice there's no reward. Second Corinthians, chapter five, Apostle Paul again picks up on verse nine through 10. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Interesting. We read that even again, let me lay this out very simple. And though I need to pick it back up here in the next couple of weeks, uh, you and I, the believer will stand before Jesus back fact. In front of us, and I get this picture, are all of the things that we have done in our life. Now, I'll pick this back up next week because the very first thing we think of is sin before God. In fact, we'll look at all of the scriptures that break down how God forgives sin. But what he's talking about here is all of our works that we've done for Jesus. Now, the apostle Paul mentioned it's gold, silver, precious stones, the things that have been done, in fact, I'll look at it at the end, the things that I believe that Jesus talked about and showed us as he lived and ministered on the earth that will last. The things that will last are the gold, silver, and precious stones. The things that will not last are the wood, the hay, and the stubble. And all of this will be piled up in front of us. All of the works that we've done, it'll be hit by fire, The only thing that will remain are the things that we've done for the Lord Jesus Christ, and we'll be rewarded on that. Now, we know that the rewards, according to the Bible, have to do with the crown. We know that it's not a matter of salvation at that point, because the judgment seat of Christ standing before Christ as a believer in him. But we want to live this life with the foundation built on Jesus, knowing that we'll receive a reward that's not just gonna last a short period of time, that's eternal. We don't wanna pile up all of these things that aren't going to last. In fact, I was trying to think of things that wouldn't let you know. Um, If thrown in front of me are the times that maybe I binge watch a show that really aren't gonna last. In fact. We could refer to it as this. If our dwelling place was burned with fire, there are some things that will last, right? They're just gonna last through the fire. That's what's going to happen at this time. The only thing that will remain, the only thing that we are going to get rewarded upon are the things that we've done for the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I'll I'll mention it. Jesus used this one analogy. When you pray and when you fast, And he talked about don't be like the Pharisees and the religious leaders that go on the corners of the street. They yell their prayers. They act like they're starving because they're fasting. And Jesus used the words, they received their reward. And notice that reward they received was people looking at them, thinking that they were holy when they were not. Jesus says, don't be like them. In fact, What I would rather you do and what I want you to do when you pray and fast, go into your room and go in the closet and begin to pray and fast and do it under the father and know this, the father will reward. And I believe not only does he reward here on earth because it's mentioned about what the disciples had to walk away from, but it will be rewarded in heaven. The things that were unseen that you did before the Lord that nobody noticed, but that you did. You know, I was remembering when I was in eighth grade, uh, after our basketball season, like most sports do in schools, you have a, an award ceremony, maybe a banquet. And I, I remember, you know, I was, a, um, I was a starter on the team. I played most the entire game. And I remember getting called. In fact, I remember them calling and I was surprised. Uh, the next award goes to Walter Hofflin. Everybody clapped, hey! for the most improved award, most improved, right? So I go up and get, you know, you get your reward and people get a picture of you and they clap and you sit down. I remember turning it around and looking at it. Most improved, was I that bad? Most improved, doesn't the most improved go to the guy that he didn't even know how to play basketball and he could figure out how to dribble by the end of the season or... You know, maybe they put him in at the very last game with two minutes to go because we knew we couldn't lose and he ended up being the most improved. Most improved. You know, most improved wasn't the one you wanted to put up in your room. You wouldn't bring people over to say, I was most improved. But maybe you received a reward. Maybe later on you received a reward. Maybe you were, you know, a, a league MVP or MVP of your team or offense or defense, or maybe you were recognized in your division or your city and whatever, and you made sure that you put that reward up. But let me let you know, whatever rewards you got 30 years into the future, you're not going to put up a reward that you got in junior high to you know next to family pictures to let everybody know back in 8th grade you got a an award cuz nobody cares anymore that was way back then but you know what there's a reward that Jesus is going to hand out that's going to be an eternal reward for what you did for him on earth you will be rewarded and you want to make sure that you're doing those things not in a works mentality. I don't end the end of my day saying, you know what I did today? What I did today is worthy of some something in my crown, and I went out to do that. No, no, no. It should be built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. I'm not even thinking about those different things that are rewards. It should be something natural that comes out of me because I'm following my Lord Jesus Christ, and I'm doing what he teaches me to do. Now, I want to look at this next verse because I talked about this the last few weeks, and I looked at it very different. I always use this verse, whether premarital counseling, marital uh, counseling. uh, We use it in marriage ceremonies. And the Apostle Paul is going to uh, teach us about the marriage between husband and wife because it's the exact example of Jesus and the church, because as the believer, we are referred to as the bride of Christ. He laid down his life for his bride us. But let me read this word and let me pull this out for us today. Ephesians chapter five, verse 25 to 27. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her by the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Let me read that verse one more time. Verse 27, that he might present Her to himself, right? The church, us, the bride of Christ, the church, the ones called out. He might present us to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. I'm going to leave that verse up here for just a minute. You know, think about it today, nowadays, especially as people get older, they're mindful about wrinkles, spots, blemishes. There is everything under the sun to cover up a wrinkle, a spot, a blemish. Whether it's men or women that are using it, everybody, you know, they they call the things around our eyes, they call them crow's feet. Everybody's concerned, right, about image. But Jesus is gonna present the church to himself, notice the definition. It's a glorious church, but it's not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Now, I've always uh, taught this or mentioned this, that he's coming back for a church that's glorious, not having spot or wrinkle, but I've really changed my insight into this verse on what this means, because even today, if I sin and I come before the Lord today, and I confess my sin, First John one nine, First John one nine says that um, if I confess my sins to the Father, if I confess them, uh, and the one thing I know, He is going to forgive me of my sin because I confess it. And the Bible gives all of these descriptions when I do that. He casts my sin as far as the east from the west, never to remember them more. It's down, Micah mentions, it's down to the deepest part of the oceans, never seen again. It's as if I didn't commit sin. I'm washed as white as snow, not because I just confessed the sin. It was because of what was done by Jesus laying down his life, shedding his blood for my forgiveness of sins that I can confess that. And then I stand before him without any blemish. But you know what? I got to live all today. And I might do something today that I got to come back and I confess it. Not not as something I'm looking to do, but something that I do. It's a battle. In fact, let me bring this up. And I, and I believe this now uh, with all of, of, of my heart looking at the scripture, that what The Apostle Paul taught about a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle is what Jesus is going to present after we have gone through the judgment seat of Christ and all of those works that don't matter, the Woodstead, Hubble are burned and everything is a reward because after that, there is no spot, wrinkle, blemish, And it really is a presentation of us to him. And according to what the Bible seems to teach is we go right into the marriage supper of the lamb. I was thinking this, if he comes back for a glorious church now, there's a lot of mess taking place in church. We're not perfect. We'll never be perfect. Even though we come back to receive his righteousness for what he's done We've got to come before him because we fall, we make mistakes, we misstep, we're building on this foundation. We're human, right? Our our minds think things, we get off track, we come back to him. But I believe that after this judgment seat of Christ is when we're presented as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. In fact, there's a word that I wanted to bring up today, and we're going to look at it in a couple verses, and we'll set this up for the beginning of the next couple parts. It's the word sanctification. We'll read in our Bible, sanctify, that you and I, the believer, we are going through a sanctification process, which means after we've accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, instantly, we'll look at a scripture, we are a new creation. We are being sanctified. We are set apart. There's a purification that's taking place in our hearts, in our life, because of our Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, we're told this, that we're to daily pick up the cross and follow Jesus. Daily, I'm to pick up the cross and I'm to follow him. It's a daily thing. I'm fighting, I'm fleeing, I'm resisting sin. And you know what? It's a lifelong endeavor because the believer, the Christian, submits to the work of the Holy Spirit that is now within me, and the sanctification is a process that I am working on. In fact, I thought about this. I'll never be perfect, but I'm always going to be persistent in daily picking up my cross and following him. You know, we read in the Bible, we won't look at it right now, but in Genesis chapter three, what, what Adam and Eve fell to is what we read about in the entire Bible. It was the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Even the apostle John said it in first John chapter two, that it, there's really, there's nothing new. It's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Solomon mentioned in Ecclesiastes, there's nothing new under the sun. You know, there's no other trick or trap. There's nothing that the devil has that he's newly unleashed. It's the exact same things that you and I are tempted with. It's the lust of the flesh. It's the lust of the eyes. It's the pride of life. And those are the things that we have to identify and we have to distinguish and we have to know That everything that we're building on is we're building on our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And these things are going to come at us. But we're going through a sanctification process with the Holy Spirit inside of us. We're never going to be perfect. We're going to strive, though. We are going to strive and work hard. And we're going to be persistent to pick up the cross and to follow him. We're going to be persistent when we sin that we run to the Father and we confess our sins. We're going to be lifelong followers of his word, building up our most holy faith. We're going to be fighting and fleeing and resisting sin our entire life. We're going to teach people how to do it. We're going to resist and overcome the devil and everything that he throws out. Not because I'm striving to be perfect by works but I do it because of a relationship that I have with Jesus every day, picking up the cross and following him. Let me go through a couple other verses here to be an encouragement to us. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. And such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. Notice what he says. But such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Galatians chapter two, verse 20. I, Apostle Paul Paul makes it personal. In fact, I make it personal today. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, But Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live in the flesh by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Think about that. This life that I now live in the flesh, the life that we see bombarded to fight against the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride. This life that I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, and then verse 21. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Verse 21 says this, For he made him who knew no sin to be sinned, for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14. For by one offering, this is talking about Jesus, him offering himself. By this one offering, he perfected forever those who are, notice the word, being sanctified. Every single day, I am being Sanctified. Every single day, I am being persistent, picking up the cross, following Him, knowing that the Holy Spirit, I'm not going to fall to the same tricks and traps that the enemy throws at me because I'm doing my Father's business. You're doing your Father's business, and you are being sanctified. You know, there are people that try to be perfect, this is a relationship that we have with Him. I don't ever find the Bible where I will attain perfection in the flesh. I don't ever see that. But it's every day coming to him, being a follower of him. I love, I love that one. For by this one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Yeah, I made a list. I'll pick it back up this next week. But I made a list of examples in the gospel that Jesus showed that were worthy of rewards. In fact, it was a short little list, faith. You know, Jesus returned, uh, referred to the great faith. He was in marveled at the faith of a Roman centurion that had faith that Jesus didn't even need to come to his dwelling place, that he could speak a word and his servant would be healed. Jesus talked about praying, Jesus talked about fasting, Jesus talking, talked about loving one another, he talked about persecution, um, he talked about giving as a sacrifice. Over and over, we'll see in the Bible, if we open our eyes, things that give us a hint of what Jesus rewards, what he will reward, what he's looking to reward. I'm not to keep a list to say, you know, today I'm going to go out, I'm going to do this so that I get a reward. It should be something that I'm just doing. And later, you know, I got rewarded for that. I'm not going into a closet and praying because, oh, good, I'm getting that reward in my crown. I'm doing it as a relationship. And it's interesting, if you go through those examples, you'll see that Jesus wrote. What about compassion? What, what about the Great Commission? Going in all the world, preaching the gospel, laying hands on the sick. All of those are things Jesus said to do, being a witness that we'll receive our rewards for. You know, the other thing that's so important, in order to get a reward, you've got to believe, be a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the most important thing. In fact, uh, and then we build upon that daily, and we've read those verses right there, that um, you're a new creature when you've done that that you've identified with the crucified Christ that now he lives in you. And you don't live the old life, you live this new life. In fact, if you'd like to take the steps for that new life, I would encourage you to pray along with me. And as the Bible says in Romans 10, 9, 10 believe it in your heart. In fact, let's pray this together. Dear God, I believe that Jesus lived, died, and rose again for me. I accept him as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for forgiving me of all of my sins. And today, I begin my relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. In fact, if you prayed that for the very first time we would so encourage you to reach out to us. You can do so by our website, by our email info at hillschurcharcadia.org or by the social media platforms that you are viewing in today. It's the most important step. You're now building your life on the foundation of Jesus Christ. You know, we'll pick this back up next week because there are great questions that come in of when Jesus comes, if I have sin in my life and I go to the judgment seat of Christ, How does all that work out? And at the judgment seat of Christ, those things that burn up, what are those? Those things that remain, what are those? Does he really forgive all of my sins? Will I stand before him and will he go? Well, like I've heard before, will there be a giant movie screen and my entire life is being played for everyone of everything I ever did and ever said, ever I thought about, every intent of my heart will be played for everyone. We'll talk about that. Next week, because we will all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And as I believe that he will then, as we're purified, present us as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. But we're going through here on earth a, a opportunity to sanctify ourselves to get back and to remember he's not saying I I demand you to be perfect, but he does say, if you want to follow me, you've got to pick up the cross daily and follow me. Well, as we give uh, with our tithes and offerings today, let me read this one verse, Psalm 8610. For you are great and you do wondrous things. You alone our God, for you are great. In our giving today, let's have faith that our God is great and he does wondrous things. Pray this along with me and believe it and mean it from your heart to your Father. As I give in today's offering, I reflect on the greatness and power of my God. You are capable of doing anything. No task is too large or too difficult for you. And you are always watching over me. You always supply all of my needs. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You know, if you're giving today, you can go to our website, hillschurcharcadia.org. And on the top right, you can click on the give button It is fast, it's safe, and it's also secure, or you can write to us, you can give by mail, The Hills Church, P.O. Box 661419, Arcadia, California, 91066. And before we end today, we wanna remember that this weekend we're celebrating Mother's Day, and as I open with, we celebrate all women, In our church, in fact, I wanted to read this prayer. In fact, this is for all women, whether mothers or not mothers, whether grandmas or great-grandmas, whether you're a great neighbor and you watch the kids across the street and they're kind of like your own. For those that pray for children, I wanted to read this today. This is a prayer for all of you women, even as we celebrate Mother's Day. For every pregnant mother who still cradles her little one safe inside, For every mother of little ones who never has a moment alone and for every mother of grown ones who misses the commotion of chauffeuring them all around, you are loved. For everyone who has stood beside a hospital bed, for everyone who tucks a little child in bed at night and for everyone who has brought a child up for dedication and for everyone that has had to stand at a grave site, or for everyone that regrets an abortion, for everyone who rejoices at the gift of adoption, you are loved, for the one who is heartbroken by another negative pregnancy test, and for the one who wonders how to feed that extra mouth, for every grandmother that's raising her grandchildren and for every young mother doing it on her own, for the single mom, who's working and pinching the pennies and for the stay at home mom, who's counting the cost. You are loved for every woman who longs for a child, for every woman who prays for a child and for every woman who loves a child. You are loved for every woman who is single, for every woman who is married for every woman who prays for a child with a child over a child for every woman today precious and beloved in the sight of God, you are loved. You know, for every woman out there, I I even noticed the relationship difference with having a son and a daughter and where having a son, many times he'll confide in my wife, sometimes more than he does in me. There's something so unique and special that God created you to be a woman However, wherever children are, you are unique and you're special and we bless, we honor, we celebrate all of you today. And as we echo in that, you are loved. Well, say this with me, everyone, as we close Psalm 121, 1 and 2. I look up to the hills, but where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. You know, stick with us each and every week as we go through these end times, taking a little chunk today of the judgment seat of Christ and we'll build on that in the next couple of weeks. But the Lord bless you. Have a great day. We are praying for you this week. You be blessed.